Hello, everyone, and welcome to this podcast from the Missouri Children's Trust Fund. I'm Kirk Schreiber, Executive Director for CTF, and today we'll be discussing the prevention of sexual abuse of children. Joining me is Sharice Tebow, Manager of Prevention and Community Outreach for Missouri Kids First, a statewide organization based in Jefferson City. We also have with us Nancy Corley. Nancy is the Director of Child and Family Well-Being for the Alliance of Southwest Missouri, located in Joplin. So thank you both for being here today. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you, Kirk. Perhaps for some of our listeners who are not familiar with the term sexual abuse, what are we talking about? In other words, how do we define it, and why should people care about preventing it? Child sexual abuse is defined as any sexual act between an adult and a minor, or between two minors when one exerts power over the other. Why is it so important for adults to create safe environments and prevent child sexual abuse is because child sexual abuse is an epidemic. It has the widest array of physical health problems, mental health problems, and social problems as well. One in 10 children experience child sexual abuse before the age of 18. It's so important for adults to take the responsibility to protect children because child abuse is preventable. And I also want to emphasize, we talk about it being adult responsibility because it's extremely difficult for a child to say no to an adult or get away from an adult. And even though we want to teach our children valuable skills, we still need to understand that it is not their responsibility to prevent child abuse. It is our responsibility to prevent child sexual abuse. What are some things that people can do to prevent it? Maybe more specifically, how do parents and caregivers go about keeping their child safe when it comes to sexual abuse prevention, or really child abuse in general, for that matter? You know, the first thing I like to talk to parents about is to teach their children the no secrets rule in the family. And you start by teaching your child the difference between a secret and a surprise. A surprise is something fun, and it's something that pretty soon is going to be known or revealed. A surprise is what we're going to get Daddy for his birthday. A surprise is the fact that we've baked a pie, and we're going to go over to Grandma's with it. Okay? Mm -hmm. A secret is something that somebody asks you to keep. And... In our, and I tell parents to tell their children, in our family, we never keep secrets. We always talk to each other because secrets are something that just are not allowed. And once you teach your child that, you make sure that everybody your child comes in contact with knows that your child is not going to keep a secret from you, that your child has permission and does talk to you about everything. And you make sure when your child talks to you that you respond calmly and without emotion so that they feel safe to tell you whatever they need to tell you. And once you um, get that established with your child, and with and when I say everybody else, I mean other family members, I mean teachers, I mean babysitters, I mean soccer coaches, um, anybody your child comes in contact with. And once you have that established with your child, the other thing that we want to talk to parents about is to avoid one adult, one child situations. Now, I'm not talking about as a parent, you shouldn't be alone with your child. We all know that a parent-child time one-on-one is a bonding time. It's a mentoring time. It's a very special time to have with your child. 
But if you're going to leave your child with one other person, that person needs to know, first of all, your child knows not to keep a secret. Secondly, that um, at any point in time, you could show up when they're with your child. And that other person needs to be somebody that you know and trust. Child sexual abuse is a crime of access and opportunity. And we want to make sure that uh, a perpetrator doesn't have opportunity. And opportunity happens when a perpetrator is alone with a child. So first, no secrets. Second, avoid wherever you can one adult, one child situations. And third, make sure that person knows my child's not going to keep a secret. And I don't want my child anywhere at any time that it is not interruptible and observable. And I think that lays the groundwork for keeping your child safe. So when you're talking about minimizing opportunities with youth-serving organizations, we're looking at some of the same skills as Nancy was talking about. So when there is one-on-one adult situations, such as a mentoring situation, a counseling situation, maybe it's tutoring or it's piano lessons, things like that, we want to make sure that those organizations have code of codes of conduct that outline how interactions with children work in that organization. And within those codes of conduct, there's a supervisor who makes sure that they're sort of walking around and making things interruptible, that things are as, as, as observable as they can be, that when we can, we have group settings rather than one-on-one settings. You can have a wonderful talk with a child in the bleachers or in an auditorium or in a group room or something like that. So knowing that 80% of child sexual abuse instances occur in isolated, one adult, one child situations, that's what we're trying to do is minimize those opportunities. That sounds like really good advice that parents can follow. Are there some other things that we can do as parents and caregivers to keep our children safe? Absolutely, Kirk. The first thing I want parents to know is that too many times we focus on the perpetrator or the molester being the stranger in the park because that's what our media plays up in the news. But the reality is, depending on the research you read, somewhere between 85 and 90% of children who are molested are molested or abused by somebody they know, trust, and often love. That means it's not the stranger in the park. It's the next-door neighbor. It's Uncle Fred. It's babysitter Cindy. It's soccer coach Phil. It's somebody that child knows and has a relationship with. So it becomes critically important that you understand and know the people your child are interacting with and that you are vigilant. I don't want to make people paranoid, but we need to be vigilant about the policies that are in place at any place our child goes, church, school, soccer league, because that's one of the ways we minimize opportunity. We have created a flyer that is based on darkness to lights, five steps to protecting children from sexual abuse. And it outlines very simply ways that adults can protect children and create safe environments. And Nancy just touched on a lot of those ways. The first step is to learn the facts about child sexual abuse and make sure that you're informed about what it is, the prevalency rate, what the consequences are, and how to keep children safe. The second step is to minimize the opportunity, which we've talked about already, um, making sure things are interruptible, observable, 
making sure group situations can happen as much as possible and making sure organizations have policies and codes of conduct. The third step is to talk about it, talking about child sexual abuse with children, talking about it with the adults in your world. If we are vigilant and we have these conversations, it reduces the stigma. It makes us put this on our radar, which is going to create a safer environment for children. An abuser is going to be looking for a child who has not been talked to about healthy boundaries and has not had any sex education. So we want to make sure that we are talking about this issue as much as possible. In addition to talking about it with our children, it's very important that children are given the correct terms for their body parts because in taking away the stigma, we need our conversations to be just as normal and average and everyday as possible for our children. And, you know, we want to make sure that um, our children are armed with the power and the knowledge that they need to keep themselves safe. Now, I'm not saying we need to depend on our children to keep themselves safe. It is our responsibility. But part of that is teaching our kids the correct name for their body parts. And it's um, also teaching them that it is okay to say no to an adult, even if it's somebody that we think they should love. You know, I was in a restaurant not too long ago, and it was a family situation, and a young child did not want, the aunt and uncle came up, and the young child did not want to hug her uncle. And the parents just insisted that she hug her uncle. And it took everything I had not to go over the table and say, please don't make her do that. Please give her permission to uh, give her affection as she chooses. Please give her permission to have power and control over her own body, her own hugs, because that empowers a child to say no to an adult. And that's an important piece of it. Very good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So step four is to recognize the signs. So making sure that we're watching, we are watching our children and making sure that we know what the red flags are. It's not typical for a child to have a physical sign of sexual abuse. Although if there is any sort of redness or rash or swelling in the genital area or anything like that, that needs to be looked at right away. Emotional signs are much more common with child sexual abuse. Um, anywhere from behaving like the absolute perfect child and trying to be what everyone wants them to be at all times to completely withdrawing from adults, from other children, from depression, to unexplained anger and rebellion. Another sign is sexual behavior that is sophisticated beyond their age something that is age appropriate. So language that they're using that is not age appropriate can also be a red flag. There are children who have no signs of child sexual abuse whatsoever. So again, it becomes adults' responsibility to try to create those safe environments so that we don't have children experiencing abuse to begin with. And it also goes back to talk to your children regularly and often about it. I used to ask my daughter, has anybody ever touched you inappropriately? And she would roll her eyes, no, mom. And, you know, the older she got, the more she was just like, could we please stop having this discussion? But she also understood that that was my way of helping to keep her safe. Talk about it. 
You know, and the more you talk about it and the more you're calm, it's everyday part of the conversation, the more children are going to be able to tell you what they need to tell you when they need to tell you. Darkness Delight has a video, and it's a, a doctor, and she's saying that the age eight, eight is great. And she talks about talking to your children by the age of eight because you want to be the person that they come to when they start to have questions about sexuality and when they start to hear about it from other children and other people. And you want to be the person to give them the information so that they're not misinformed or manipulated. And you mentioned Darkness to Light, Charisse. Uh, I just want to tell our listeners that we're referring to a national organization whose mission is to raise awareness of the prevalence and consequences of child sexual abuse by educating adults about the steps that they can take to prevent, recognize, and react responsibly to the reality of child sexual abuse. Sharice, you also mentioned a flyer uh, that is available, an electronic flyer that's been developed as a result of the recommendations of the Missouri uh, State Task Force on the Prevention of Sexual Abuse of Children. And the flyer is entitled Prevent Child Sexual Abuse, the Five Steps, Currently, the flyer is available electronically at ctf4kids.org, or you can just Google Missouri Children's Trust Fund to access that. So we really encourage anyone and everyone to print and distribute this educational piece for parents, caretakers, and, and others who might benefit from this information. So that leads me to the next question. I see where the fifth step is to react responsibly. And, and what should someone do if they suspect a child is, is being sexually abused? If you suspect in Missouri, if you suspect a child is being abused, you can call the Child Abuse and Neglect Hotline Unit. Uh, that number is 1-800-392-3738. It's really important that an adult responds appropriately to suspicions of abuse because we need to be the ones that are protecting our children and if we don't help them who will children don't have a voice they cannot make that call we're the ones that have to make that call and i know it's not a fun thing to do i know people are scared the question i get a lot is what if i'm wrong and i say if you're wrong that person will be vindicated because there will be no findings, no results from an investigation. But if you're right, you have potentially saved a child from a lifetime of negative issues. It is better to go ahead and make the call. You don't have to be judge and jury. Make the call and let the proper authority sort it out. You be the voice for that child. You be their advocate. I heard it said once that when you're making a call to, in Missouri, Children's Division, the hotline, you are not accusing someone of something. You are simply requesting a professional service be done. There are a lot of great resources out there to learn for, for parents or professionals or anyone to learn, learn more about this topic. Do you have any specific uh, resources in mind? There are some excellent resources within the five-step flyer that you mentioned earlier, Kirk. We have a list of them. So if, if anyone listening to this podcast has suspicions of abuse or has dealt with their own abuse and feels like they need some help, there are helplines on the flyer. There's legal resources. There's victim advocacy. There's resources for healing. And there's also websites like Darkness to Light and Prevent Child Abuse America and Missouri Kids First that can give you more information on 
child sexual abuse and trauma, and how to prevent child sexual abuse. And Missouri Children's Trust Fund. And Missouri Children's Trust Fund, where you can find the flyer. And the other thing I want to say is, if you want additional information or training, Missouri Children's Trust Fund and Missouri Kids First are really leading the charge for getting um, stewards of children training out statewide. And it's a concentrated effort to get facilitators trained around the state and to get people involved in stewards of children training. That's child sexual abuse prevention training. I know in southwest Missouri we have about a dozen facilitators trained. We are offering trainings throughout Jasper, Newton, and McDonald counties. We'll go further out than that. All you have to do is contact the Alliance of Southwest Missouri. 417-782-9899 and ask when is the next Stewards of Children training and Sharice can tell you more about other efforts around the state. Absolutely. Um, I just want to clarify a little bit the Stewards of Children training was created by Darkness to Light and it is a child sexual abuse prevention program. It's it's the only child sexual abuse program for adults that has been proven to increase um, child protective behaviors and knowledge. And so it's unbelievably powerful. It's victims telling their stories um, in a way that gives us education, but also gives us hope about healing. And that if you've experienced child sexual abuse, you can absolutely go through a process where you can be successful in any area of your life. And it's just excellent for any organization or parent or adult who wants to create the safest environment possible for their child. And we just want to get stewards out to the entire state, to as many folks as we can. You can contact Missouri Kids First to learn more about those efforts. Go to our website, MissouriKidsFirst.org, or you can call Missouri Kids First, 573-632-4600. There's just one thing I want to add to that. The Stewards of Children training, the accent is on prevention, and you leave feeling empowered. And that makes it different from every other training I've been through. Well, Sharice and Nancy, thank you for being here today. Please listen for additional podcasts in the near future where we will delve further into this topic, including ways parents can talk with their children and policies and procedures that organizations can implement to help protect themselves as well as the children and the families that they serve. As a reminder, please share these podcasts with your colleagues and friends, and until next time, please keep our children safe.